to episode 32 of MTO Weekly. I'm here today with my friend Jeff, with Dewan. Dewan's on his little wedding trip, so we're going to give him the week off. Um, we're going to talk about the NFL preseason and Andy Dalton's contract, which I have a lot to say about that. Um, we're going to talk about NCAA and Notre Dame's troubles, a little bit about Monet Davis, and a few other topics. But let's start with the NFL. And the big news to me from this week is Andy Dalton getting six years to 115. Convince me that he's worth that. Yeah, it was definitely surprising. Um, you know, just watching him play, he's he has his struggles. Definitely not $115 million guy to me. But, I mean, I guess it's not a lot of guaranteed money. But it's still a big deal. I mean, they're putting all their eggs in that basket. But if, For me, a lot of people are pointing to the fact that there's not a lot of guaranteed money. But at the same time, when you're paying somebody 115 psychologically what that does is that means the next time there's a draft, you don't go get that quarterback because you feel like you already have one that you're paying 115 Even though you can cut them whenever you want, that's an option. Starting quarterbacks just don't really get cut like right. in the league. It's not really something that happens. So what's going to happen is next time there's a draft, there's going to be a decent prospect. They're going to pass on them because they have an adult. And to me, that's going to stunt their growth. Because if you give me a list of the quarterbacks in the league, he's probably somewhere around 15 to 20, <laughs> which means average. Right. And I don't think that your average NFL quarterback's getting 115 over six years. So I don't see the upside to this deal because I don't see him as that kind of guy. I mean, he can probably win you a championship much in the way that with the Seahawks, Russell Wilson kind of won them championship. Well, didn't win them a championship, but they won with him because of their defense. Right. But if you're going to win like that, you got to put money in your defense, which you really can't because Dalton's getting 115. Right. He definitely eats up a big uh, portion of your cap. And, I mean, just me, I looked at the numbers. I mean, his his statistics were okay, but I figure at $115 million, your statistics are better than okay. Uh, that's almost putting you in an elite precipice. Like, it's really high. So, uh, you know, it's, it's it's interesting to see. Like, maybe they feel like they want to close with him. He They think he's good enough or they can develop him. Maybe they don't want the Carson Palmer scenario to happen again. Where this is true. They, you know, quarterback becomes very good and he's going to demand that money. So let's put the money on the table now um, and then not have that problem again. But Carson Palmer was a lot better than yeah. Andy Dalton is right now. They should have gave him this money if that yeah. was the case. And another thing, the way I see it to me is when I look at Andy Dalton, really, and you look at his struggles in the playoffs and how he's had actually some pretty good games in the, in the regular season, to me, he's kind of a poor man's Tony Romo. And I'm pretty sure right now he's making more than Tony Romo. Not yeah. by much, but still making more than him. And he's not better than Tony Romo. So if you're going to take the guy that's really good the pre- in the regular season and then chokes in the playoffs, at least let it be Tony Romo because <laughs> he does a little bit better in the regular season to get you to the playoffs. So I just I don't see the value. I, I could very well be wrong. Right. But something tells me I'm going to end up right at the end of this contract. <laughs> and you're going to see that. You're going Because the Bengals have been kind of progressing pretty nicely. I think you're going to see them stall out as far as their progression. And they're right. going to be... Well, the Cowboys, 8-8, eight eight, year in, year out, really. So we'll see how it goes. Um, but 
I don't I don't see how this ends well. Right. For anybody other than Andy Dalton. Right, yeah. Andy's going to get paid, and just like you said, they're probably not going to cut him. Uh, but by that standard, do you give Tony Romo that $116 million then? I mean, I would give Romo that money just because I feel like a lot of the struggles, while he does choke from time to time, I mean, right. that's really not another way to put it, a lot of the time he shouldn't have to be in that position because he had done already put up 41 points on the board. Right. And then he chokes at the end of the game. Uh, you must be, be alluding to that Broncos game. Yeah, that's, pretty, that's a great example. It was, they lost 51 to 48, and everybody wants to talk about the pick. But before that, he'd thrown 400 yards and five touchdowns, and they were still in a close game because their defense can't stop anybody. Right. The Bengals actually have a defense. You put Tony Romo on the Bengals, they're dangerous. Andy Dalton's not that guy to me. They're not on the same level. That's why I said poor man's Tony Romo. <laughs> so, I mean, I would pay Tony Romo that because I think he's probably close to a top 10 quarterback. Right. I mean, if he's not 10, he's probably around 11 or 12. Mm-hmm. Dalton, to me, is probably easily in the, like, I don't think he's 15. I think he's closer to 20 than he is to 15. Right. So Yeah, just looking at the pure numbers, he was actually around the 16, 17 number when, yeah. you know, on the list of quarterbacks. So. Yeah, well, one thing to Dalton's credit is he's been tearing it up in the preseason. He's actually been doing really well. Maybe that contracts the confidence he needs. It might but, be. So, Watching the preseason, who else has been really impressive to you? Uh, David Clowney has looked like a a monster. Yeah, um, that was at the expense of my Falcons. <laughs> he did look like a beast, which you know I'm kind of happy because there was a lot of stuff in the off season. They didn't, they weren't sure he wasn't looking good. He did, they were uncertain about his potential, but. I guess when game time comes, a lot of things get put to the side, which is why we have the preseason. You get to see who's going to step up to the challenge or who's going to become worth uh, what you put into him. So he's definitely a standout for me. Yeah, another thing is I think it's interesting because we always talk about, like in the draft, I think we have a lot of of times we have too much time Mm -hmm. to analyze it. We end up overanalyzing it. And we always talk about things like, well, we're not sure about his motor, and what about this, and what about that, and we start nitpicking, and I think it's kind of the same thing that happened with Des Bryant. Right. And and he fell in the draft because of that. And now everybody's like, I wish we had a Des Bryant on our team. <laughs> luckily, I, <know> I do. <laughs> <laughs> luckily for the Texans, they didn't fall into that, and they were like, well, we'll take our chances. But I think it's kind of a microcosm of the bigger problem is you send up, take the talented player and scrutinize them Whereas you take the guy that's kind of more hard-nosed and you kind of give him more points than his talent merits. Right. You're like, well, he's going to work hard and he's going to develop and everybody ain't able. Not everybody's going <laughs> to develop. You know, like, Clowney has the skill set, whereas some guy that works hard may just not have the skill set. I mean, we're not all able to do things like Clowney does. Right. They, they were not all 6'6", six, six, 260, running a 4'5". <laughs> like, not very many of those. So... I agree with you. I thought he was impressive. Another guy that I thought was impressive that I actually was starting to kind of sour on, but maybe I, I need to look again, is Teddy Bridgewater. I thought he did very well in the preseason. That I really kind of thought it was a foregone conclusion that he was going to sit the bench this year. Right. But he's actually making the case to start. Uh, Matt Castle hasn't been doing that great, in my opinion. <laughs> I mean, he kind of is who he is. Right. Kind of that dreaded word for quarterbacks, a game manager. But Bridgewater's shown that he's able to get the ball in playmakers' hands and kind of make some plays himself. And I was really impressed. I'm still not sure if I would start him right now. But I think he's looking more like the guy that he was at the beginning of last year, where he was 
supposed to be the number two pick right behind Clowney than he is towards the end of last year when people weren't even sure if he was a first-round quarterback. Right. It's uh, It'll be interesting. Like I don't know what the beginning of their schedule looks like, but uh, I think they may, just like you say, they might go with Castle early, see what happens, and then they'll use in-game solutions. Like when the actual season starts and they're down you know, a game or two, can they look to Bridgewater? Is he going to be that guy that's going to pull him out of it? And that very well may be what they do. They could have an 0-2 start, and Bridgewater might be their savior. And as good as he's looked in the preseason, uh, preseason uh, we'll see what he does. But Yeah, I really think he he's showing things that I used to be sold on <laughs> and then wasn't sold on, and I'm starting to get sold on it again. So maybe it's a matter of inconsistency with him. But we'll see. I'm excited to see how that turns out. Um, moving on to the NCAA, um, there was another case of academic fraud with Notre Dame of all schools, which is pretty much known for their academics. Yeah. And this is, what, a year after the quarterback just got suspended for making poor academic choices, is the way he put it. So this seems like it's not just a one-time occurrence. Yeah, it's a trend. Yeah, <laughs> so four players were suspended, four potential starters were suspended. What do you what do you think about this incident? Well, it's to me it's a big deal and it's a ongoing problem uh, throughout the whole NCAA. Uh, Florida State, which is my squad, North Carolina, everybody's getting bitten by this academic bug, uh, which is going to, in my opinion, it's going to bring out a bigger investigation. I think they're going to start taking the time to figure out what's actually going on in these schools with these football programs. Are they actually legitimately going to class, or are we finding out that kids are getting tests taken for them? I think they're going to probe into it, and because it is Notre Dame and they are known for academics, you know, it's a big blow, you know, to the league, to NCAA, because now a school that says that they put their academics before they put their sports, uh, now that's not true anymore. Yeah. So... It's, they're they're going to probe it. It's going gonna, it's gonna to get nasty, and there might be a lot of fallout from this. See, I mean, that's what... I want to believe that. I really do. <laughs> but for me, I just don't believe that they really care to punish the schools that are making them a lot of money. UNC, we already know all the stuff that was going on there in academic frauds and, and the, uh, the African-American studies that was going on and the fraudulent <laughs> classes and all that, and all the people that were in it, and they still didn't really get hit that hard. Right. And they're back again with the same issue. And right. allegedly this time they're going to hit them, but I don't... It, I, what tends to happen to me, and it's the same thing with the Miami thing, and I know the Miami thing wasn't an academic issue, but they, they it's a story, it's a big deal. NCAA says they're going to investigate it. What happens as time goes on, other stories happen, kind of gets to the back burner, then they kind of slap them on the wrist. And, and all the, the initial outrage is kind of gone. Because right. they waited two months, and since it being a instant society, two months later, no one really cares anymore. Right. So, I think this will be a big deal right now, mm-hmm. but the investigation that they say is going to happen is going to take a while, <laughs> and then we will no longer care. Right. And then once we no longer care, they'll give them a soft punishment. Right. So, how big of a problem do you think this is? Do you think this happens every major school, or is it just isolated incidents? Do you think this is common practice in NCAA? You know... I've talked to players who have told me what some of their workloads uh, workloads have been. I mean, 
it's this might sound crazy, but VCR programming come to mind. VCR programming 101, how to set the clock. I mean, some of these classes that these guys are taking, they're obviously here for one thing, and that's just to play football. They're not concerned about their education. Uh, but then when you get those core classes they have to take, you know, you got some guys who just can't cut it uh, mentally. And they're going to find a way, especially at a big football school. So I do think it's prevalent. I think it exists everywhere. Um, but football politics will allow this to keep happening. And, I mean, I do think they'll probe it. And maybe they'll do the the, the big guy scenario where they, where they hit one big team hard just to try to set a precedent or try to make an example. Um but I don't think they're going to continue to do it because I believe they know it's a problem. And as long as the money's coming in, which the money's coming in, oh, yes, it is. Uh, as long as that's coming in good, you know, it's just going to continue to be this way. You know, it hurts. It hurts when your team, your school is the one that's affected by it. Um, so if you're a fan right now and you're like, well, I don't have to worry about my school. Yes, you do. Yeah. Uh, your school is going to be the next school. And I mean, don't, 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 uh, be surprised when it happens and some winds get stripped off your belt and it won't be pretty. Yeah, it's definitely, I think it's, I think it run rampant. I think it's all over the place. And if it's not academics, then it's paying players. Mm -hmm. I think most of these schools have something. It's not necessarily who's cheating and who's not. It's really just the amount of degree in which these teams are cheating because I believe 80% of them are. I'm just throwing out a number, <laughs> but... I'm pretty sure it's it's that prevalent towards in one way or another. I think everybody has their own line as far right. as how much they bend, which as far as I'm concerned, rules are either broken or not. <laughs> bend <laughs> the rules. True. They don't bend it, you break it. So how far or how badly they break the rule. Or how flexible is that rule? Yeah. <laughs> but I think they're basically all cheating. Right. And that's just my opinion on it. All right, so moving on to care or don't care, and we're going to start with the, the Monet Davis story. Um, for those of you who don't know, uh, or have been under a rock or whatever the issue is, <laughs> uh, she's a Little League pitcher because the Little League World Series is really popular, and what makes her unique is that she's a she. She's a woman, um, and she does very well. She had a shutout to get them into the Little League World Series, mm -hmm. and then the first game in the Little League World Series, she also had a shutout. She's been doing really well. Um, she's kind of a big story right now. She's been called out Clayton Kershaw. <laughs> um, so do you care about this story? You know, it's one of the ones where, yeah, I care about it a little bit. It's just, I guess it's a nice feel-good story, and there's a lot of not-so-good things happening right now. Uh, it must be the Monet. Uh, that I'm patenting that, so she can't have that. But, uh, no, you know, she, it's impressive. Young woman doing her thing in the Little Leagues. And, um, you know, it's, just, it's different. You don't see it all the time. Uh, I think she's the 18th girl to play in 68 years, and she's dominant she's out here with you know boys her age and she's she's smoking them so you know i care um i to not care i guess kind of make me not have a heart <laughs> but, but no i it, it's impressive i'm impressed by it i don't know what she's gonna do in like five years uh maybe she had to play basketball because unfortunately she probably won't be able to continue her career with this but right now she's on top of the world yeah i mean i care I kind of don't have a soul when it comes to stuff like this. <laughs> I'm not really the biggest feel-good story guy. Right. I'm not, it's just, I don't know, it's just for me, it's never been, like, that much, mean that much to me. Mm -hmm. A lot of times I think it's 
over it's sensationalized. But this one, I feel like uh, the reason why I care is a. I usually don't watch the Little League World Series for that exact reason. Right. I feel like a lot of times, it's just we just champion these kids who aren't as young as we make them out to be. Right. And we kind of celebrate them to the point of it's it's really to me is us underestimating thirteen year olds rather than them being something that's unbelievable. Like I don't think people understand that a thirteen year old is probably pretty good at a sport that they find serious at. I mean this is a national competition and if they're at the point where there's six teams left, then some of the players are probably gonna be really good. Like right. I don't understand why people are so surprised by that. I think it's kinda of sensationalized. But with that being said, with the story with Monet, the thing that I find refreshing about it is that she's actually dominant. We're not making that up. I feel like a lot of times when you have the women with the men, we kind of overvalue how dominant the the woman is. A lot of times it's kind of like we're making the story. But she's actually dominant. Like right. not, They're not making this up. This, ha- this is happening. And that's, to me, what's refreshing about this is that we don't have to kind of manufacture the story. It's just actually, this is... This is the story. And to me, it's making me pay attention to the Little League World Series in general. I'm watching games that she's not even in <laughs> because it kind of makes the whole thing interesting. And that's why I care about this. I'm um, Like you said, unfortunately, I don't know of any women baseball leagues. I'm not sure if she'll be able to throw the heat when she gets a little older. Right. Um, and I'm not sure how good she is at softball because I mean, she's been throwing <laughs> overhand her whole life, apparently. But I do think it's a good story. I think it's inspirational for a lot of people. Um, so I think I think it's good. Anytime you can find someone who's, I mean, she's basically a thirteen-year-old role model, right? Um, so right. I mean, I think that's the more positive role models you can have. I think it's a good thing. Um, so I, so I do care. I do have a little bit of a soul when it comes to this right here. Next up is there has been elected a new major league baseball commissioner. Um, to show you how much I care about baseball, I can't even think of the name right now, <laughs> but. That would make you believe that I don't care about the story, but that's false. I, I'm drawing the blank on his name, which is inexcusable, but it is what it is. But I do care because anytime you have a new commissioner, oftentimes you're going to see, well, the trend is anyway, you're going to see them try to make a mark right away. Absolutely. Um, Goodell definitely did it. Um, Silver kind of had the whole Donald Sterling thing fall in his lap right. for him to make his mark right away. But even still, I would argue that he kind of overreacted. Um as far as morally, but from a business standpoint, it's probably the right thing to do because people were pulling money. <laughs> right. So, I mean, I guess at the end of the day, they pull money, then things got to happen. But anyway, this isn't about silver. I am interested to see what I guess I'll call him the new guy <laughs> is going <laughs> to do because I want to see if he's going to make a stand. I want to see there's a lot of things in baseball, in my opinion, that need to be changed. And I want to see if he's going to be the guy to make that change and kind of overrule the traditionalists that basically in my opinion are killing the sport right they they don't want to modernize the way i see baseball is like blockbuster (laughs) like they have a great product but there's things they can do to change that and make it even better they refuse to do it and blockbuster basically shut down (laughs) and that's what's happening to baseball to me so i want to see if this guy is going to embrace the Netflix model, embrace the bread box <laughs> model rather than shun it and watch his business lose market share. So that's what I'm going to be interested to see in this. Well, if he's blockbuster, he's only going to be left in Alaska and there's not <laughs> enough revenue up here to uh, to fund that sport. 
Um, I don't watch too much baseball, uh, but I do actually care about it because just like you said, let's see what kind of impact he makes. Uh, let's see what kind of changes are made to the game. There is a lot of flaw and error in baseball right now, but it's just one of those things where a lot of people are okay with it. They push a lot of things to the side and the question is, is he going to be the guy that comes in and ruffles some feathers and right some wrongs and say, hey, uh, let's clean it up and make it the sport that it used to be. You know, you want to call it the national pastime, but it can't be that if it's crooked and we yeah. look bad. So Yeah, I mean, there's just a lot of... To me, when you think of baseball, you kind of think of when you kind of hear like weird laws mm-hmm. and laws that haven't actually been... They're not no longer enforced, but there's just weird laws that you're like, I can't believe that that was a law. Right. A lot of the things in baseball, I'm like, I can't believe that's still like the rule, and they just won't. They refuse to change it. They just want to hold on to it for this nostalgia, really. Right. And to me, it's just kind of like I said, it just hurts the business. So let's see what he does. Also, Team USA or what's left of it anyway um, played Brazil, I believe, was Saturday, um, and they they. Had a pretty impressive show, and they won by 18 scrimmage. Um, do you care at all? I mean, it's a scrimmage, so it doesn't hold uh, too much uh, weight. But, yes, I do care. Uh, the team's already kind of been torn down with injury and um, with players um, concerned about their health. And yet we still have this monster left in Team USA and it's not the typical big names that you hear, but you do have some 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 key players on there like Anthony Davis, Kyrie Irving, um, which Davis has been a monster, and then you oh got gosh. then you got Rose on there. So yeah, I actually do care because they beat, from what I'm told, I didn't get a chance to watch the game. They beat a very strong and big Brazil team, and they didn't just beat them. It wasn't two or three points; it was 18 points, which I guess I don't know if that's considered in the blowout measure, but 18 points is 18 points. There wasn't no chance for them to come back within two or three minutes. So Yeah, it's a it's a solid win. It's not the result wasn't really in doubt. I mean, there were some times when they got to about a five-point game, but there was never a time when I was, like, wondering if USA was going to win. It was really right. about how much I thought they were going to win by. <laughs> um, and then they won by 18 in a game where Steph Curry was in foul trouble. Derrick Rose wasn't entirely effective. And to be honest, at this point in time, it's Derrick Rose, Steph Curry, it's James Harden, who actually did have a pretty good game, and Anthony Davis. To me, Anthony Davis is about to take that next step. (laughs) He, I keep saying it, I've said it on a couple podcasts now, but to me, he's number three as far as NBA goes, as far as who I'm taking if we had to redraft. (laughs) LeBron, Durant, Anthony Davis. I'm going to keep saying it until everybody's saying it so I can own that. Right. Because <laughs> I want people to hear me. I've been, lately, I've been saying things and not getting credit for it. Yeah, he, so. def- he, he, he brings value back to the big. I mean, to me, and I could be wrong, but I noticed that the big has kind of fell off in the last in, in, in the last few years. I mean, you, you don't have those super dominant players like Shaquille O'Neal anymore. Um you have uh, what you can call the new Superman, but, I mean, he's not that super. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he, he's, he's a great player, don't get me wrong, but, I mean, he just he doesn't add up. So, yeah, Anthony Davis does bring that, 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 that um, 
and notoriety back to a big man, like a dominant big player, somebody with a lot of heart, passion, and strength. So um, I'm interested to see what he does in his career. I do think that he is about to blow up, like you're saying, and um, we'll see what happens. Cause to me, when I watch Anthony Davis, I see Kevin Garnett 2.0. That's, <laughs> that's really what I see. He does things that Kevin Garnett did, but he does it, to me, even more impactful. I mean, he's not Kevin Garnett in his prime yet, but I think but when it's all said and done, he'll be that good and more. Which is I mean, dangerous. Yeah, well, yeah which is <laughs> unbelievable because Kevin Garnett's a first ballot Hall of Famer. Yes. So if you're just Absolutely. exceeding a first ballot Hall of Famer, then obviously that speaks to who you are as a player. So I think to me, bar an injury, I think this is going to be something that we need to watch. And it's kind of sad that he's in a market that's not really paid attention to. To me, he's just an amazing player, and we're just going to see that. And I think one thing to me that's a silver lining with a lot of players pulling out is that we're going to see how good Anthony Davis is, and we don't see that in New Orleans because the team ain't good. Right. But we're going to get to see that. But to get back to the point, I do care because, I mean, Brazil is a big team, and that's going to be the issue that everybody's going to bring up with the USA. You're not going to outguard the USA. It's just never going to happen. It's never going to happen. We have guards. You're not going to beat us with your guards. You're going to beat us in the paint. And Brazil has Splitter. They have Nene. They have Verajal. There was another big they had that I never heard of that was actually pretty decent. And our bigs were able to stand their ground. Um, Fareed played a very good game. He does a lot of things that we haven't really had on Olympic teams. He's kind of the, the Rodman-type role, you know, <laughs> the, the bad boy kind of does all the dirty work and typically we just bring stars so right. we don't really have that guy um, so it was kind of good to see that that edge um, like I said Davis obviously Plumley was a guy who I believe should be cut but I actually thought he <laughs> played a pretty good game um, he, he did pretty well and Cousins didn't even play that's another guy that, that we're going to have that's big in the middle so I, I was encouraged by what I saw I, I still think we're the favorites even with all these people missing I'm a little worried about the U.S. since they just have a game where they just don't come, they come out kind of flat. Right. And I don't think we have the talent to overcome that anymore. But I was encouraged by what I saw. Moving back on to the NFL, um, the 49ers have been struggling in the preseason. They got smacked two games in a row now. Do you care about this struggle? Do you think it's going to be a, an issue in the regular season? Um, it's It's hard to say. Uh, just watching, I watched a bit of the uh, Denver 49ers game, and I mean, Denver, Denver's defense looks solid, but as much as they look solid, uh, 49ers' offense looked lackluster. Um, they did have some bright spots, but they were, uh, uh, they were overshadowed by a lot of mistakes that were being made. Um, it brings up the point where people are getting concerned again with Kaepernick and his running. Yeah, you definitely want to have some concern, and so you definitely want to care about this a little bit because, you know, this is the second game in the preseason where they've gotten smacked. So what's going on? Are they going to be able to address it? You know, I guess week three will be something that Niners fans are going to watch a little bit closer. And, you know, are you going to give your, your players that time? Are you going to have more time to progress uh, the system uh so yeah i do care about it and um i'm not a I, i'm not anti-49ers i actually do like them as a team so I, I hope they get it back together for me i just don't care personally <laughs> i don't 
I'm not worried about the 49ers in any way. They're probably, as far as talent, top three in the league. Um, I think at the end of the day, talent wins out, um, especially when you have the a coach like Jim Harbaugh. I do think there's some issues within the 49ers. For instance, the Jim Harbaugh is not really getting along with upper management, and that's kind of a problem. But I think they, I think they're professionals, and they can put that aside. Right. Um, what you're going to see, really, is you're going to see the regular season where Kaepernick's not running a lot. It's kind of what they do by design. So they will struggle to score points a little bit. Get towards week 12, you're going to see them ramp it up. All of a sudden, Kaepernick's going to be running again, like he did last year. <laughs> and then they're going to be able to score all of a sudden. And they still have the defense. Bowman will come back at some point. I mean, we're forgetting that, we're not, that they're playing without Bowman. That's true. Um, I'm just not really that worried about them. <laughs> I mean... They are in the toughest division in football. Yeah. So, I mean, if there was a team to worry about that's a playoff team, it would be in that division. Because if you are, if this hangover does carry on to the regular season, two or three games could be a difference between making the playoffs and not making the playoffs in that division. Absolutely. But for whatever reason, I, I just don't see it being a long-term issue. And I think they'll still make the playoffs just fine. I see them going probably ten and six, eleven and five, and I'm just not worried about them. I'm, I don't, whatever. I don't know. I'm just <laughs> not worried about them at all. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see what the, what they do with it. Uh, a couple people that people are really worried about is uh, Johnny Menzel and RG three because they actually squared off yesterday, and <laughs> both of them didn't really look that good. Um, so, do you care that they kind of struggled in the same game? Actually, I don't care about that one. And that being said is um, RG3 coming back um, after his injury, so he's going to be a little bit rusty. Uh, Johnny Manziel still, I mean, admittedly, still a little bit behind and not knowing everything that he should know right now. Of course he's going to struggle. Um, At the same time, I mean, it is their talent that are on the field, so, you know, you, you would expect them to make certain throws, but... Um, I don't care uh, in the sense that I think it'll get better, and I still think that Johnny Mandel and RG3 are the show right now. Um, people are going to watch them if he struggles or not. Some people might watch him and hoping that he struggles, but uh, it's still going to be Johnny Mandel. He's still going to entertain, um, especially with that last little uh, flip-off at the end. <laughs> Johnny will be Johnny, so... Uh, I will care more if he can't get out of these struggles, but right now the fact that he's struggling, I'm not bothered by it. I will care more if RG3 doesn't, you know, pull it together. But right now, with, with it being preseason, I'm not too concerned about it. So I'm interested to see what the growth uh, looks like. Yeah, for me, I don't, I don't really care. I mean, for me, RG3, first of all, I think his struggles were kind of sensationalized. I don't think he really played that bad. He had a terrible throw, and Joe Hayden picked it off. At the end of the day, that's Joe Hayden. It's going to happen. <laughs> um, he went six for eight for about 112. I mean, he did, like I said, that throw was awful. It was, it was a bad decision, especially you got to know your personnel. I mean, you're right. going to make that bad decision late. Joe Hayden's not the guy to try with that. <laughs> but I thought he looked fine. I mean, a lot of what they were critiquing was the way he slid, things like that. I mean, he needs to work on the slide okay, but, I mean, at the end of the day, that's kind of a minor issue. We can we can fix that. Right. I mean, 
one way or another, if you got down and didn't get hit, that's okay. And then they're also critiquing him because one time he didn't get out of bounds and got hit. But, I mean, he's a football player. I mean, he's going right. to get hit. I mean, obviously you want to minimize that. But I don't think that should be a, a negative on his performance because he took a hit. I mean, on that play, he picked up 18 yards. Right. So, I mean, I think when it comes to RG3, I really think they just kind of nitpick. They do things. And they, I just don't think the coverage for him is is equal to that of Andrew Luck, for instance. I think they're a lot more forgiving with Andrew Luck than they are with RG3. Now, granted, Andrew Luck's great. I think he's probably about the fifth best quarterback in the league right. already. But when Andrew Luck struggles or when Tom Brady struggles – or when Russell Wilson struggles, they kind of shrug it off. Right, he'll, he'll get better. Yeah, he'll game. get better, or they the receiver didn't run a precise route. <laughs> but when Cam Newton struggles, or Johnny Manziel struggles, or RG three, it's like, oh, they might never be good. And it just bothers me, and, and the way that it's kind of force feeding you your opinion. And ESPN does that a lot. Right, it's kind of an issue. It's kind of the origin, the reason why I even originated this blog and site to begin with because I, I get kind of tired of the funnel information got on a little soapbox there I'm gonna get back on topic <laughs> um but I'm not really that worried about it Manziel's a rookie um this, this is new to him uh, he's gonna have some struggles you might as well get him out in the preseason and no one's talking about the fact that Brian Hoyer who for some reason people have all this faith in they that struggled he too. struggled just as bad yes. probably worse and which brings me to my next sidetrack tangent <laughs> why are people so sold on Brian Hoyer that's why I don't get yeah I don't, I don't understand it either I mean right now they're saying that he's even though the coach won't outright say it uh, everybody else is saying you know he's most likely going to be their starter and in the two preseason games that I watch I mean he did better in the first game but I mean he still struggled um, Johnny struggled uh, not as bad but they're both having their off game. So you put your eggs in that Hoyer basket. The basket's not any bigger, any better. It's still got the same amount of holes in it. You know, you put your eggs in that basket, your eggs are going to fall out. You put your eggs in Johnny's basket right now, as much as I like them, your eggs are going to fall out. So it is a race, and I don't see either one of the guys pull away from the other one. Um, so... But yeah, it is weird. They're 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 super sold on Hoyer. Like, yeah, he, no, he's gonna be the guy. Yeah, it's he, like, he, did you see those two starts? They, really, <laughs> they keep quoting two starts, and I just I don't understand that. But one last thing we're gonna talk about before we get out of here is Braxton Miller re-injured his shoulder, and it was confirmed today that he is out for the season. Care or don't care? That's a big blow for uh, Ohio State. That being said, I don't care about Ohio State, so <laughs> I don't care. But I mean, uh, I, I mean, if you're an Ohio State fan, you should care. I don't. I'm not an Ohio State fan, but uh, I don't know. Honestly, if the rankings weren't already out, they they'd probably drop in the pools over this. So yeah, it's twofold. I care for two reasons. The first reason, the most important reason to me, is we play Ohio State. <laughs> we being Virginia Tech, for those of you who don't know, we play Ohio State week two. And then without Braxton Miller, it looks like a more winnable game to me. Right. Now, with that being said, I would still expect us to lose. I would expect this to be a closer game <laughs> without Braxton. But the odds of us winning just went up. Right. So oh, absolutely. That's the first reason why I care. Second reason, just as a college football fan in general, this is a top five team. So the playoffs 
is 14th. So that means that they are right there knocking on the door to make the college football playoffs, the first college football playoffs. So this impacts that. And I care just as a football fan to see. I'm really interested to see who's going to make that playoffs. Right. So in my opinion, you can basically just write off Ohio State now. So I care for that reason and my own selfish reason. <laughs> Hopefully, if things go well, you can write off Ohio State in week two. <laughs> after they take that L to Virginia Tech. Right. But we'll see what happens. I, I feel bad for, for Braxton. He came back to school kind of to just get another chance to play. I, I think we'll probably have – we're done seeing him in college. Pretty yeah. sure when he rehabs instead of coming back for a senior year because he can get a redshirt year, he'll probably just go pro. Just work on the combine. Great college player. I think his college career is over. Right. Because I think he's just going to go pro next year. So it, it sucks in that regard, too. But good luck to Braxton. Hope he feels better. But <laughs> hopefully week two, your team takes an L. Hey, just a quick little tidbit on that. I, uh, I'm i hoping for chaos with this uh, this first year of the playoffs. So I want to see eight undefeated teams. And then we'll see how they figure that out. <laughs> figure that out. That would actually be really interesting. <laughs> and I think it would actually expose a lot of the flaws in it. It's still flawed. It's it's terribly flawed. And in my mind, the BCS looks like looks like a diamond in my mind compared to this because now you got four teams that can be picked by other people. So we'll yeah, at see. least the BCS had a a formula. Yeah, that you could you could track how they got to that conclusion. Now these people that are voting could give you their logic, but we have no way of really knowing if that's exactly. the logic that they used to make the pick. So it could get interesting. The conspiracy theorists are probably just chomping at the bit and waiting for something to happen. But I actually kind of do hope that there's a bunch of eight no, or undefeated teams so we to pick. I just want to know who Connie's going to pick. <laughs> oh, if Stanford's in it, you best believe you should go on with Stanford. Well, they're seven and five, but you know they, played, they had a tough year. Yeah, they, it, was, it was a strong seven and five. You know, Here, here's an idea. Maybe maybe the BCS could well not the BCS, but college football could listen to this. There should be the BCS to give you a top eight. You should have to pick from that top eight rather than have the whole pool. BCS gives you the pool, and you get to choose out of that pool. Maybe not even top eight, top six. Right. Cut it down to where these are your only choices. Right. That way, I think that would kind of eliminate some of the conspiracy theorists because you only get six teams to choose from. That's true. All right. Well, now that I'm done giving the NCAA ideas that they'll never use, I hope you enjoyed the show. Thank you, Jeff, for, for joining us. You'll probably join us again next week. We'll do it again. Um, check us out on the web at www.media-timeout.net. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at media underscore timeout. And hit us up on Facebook. Hit the like button. <laughs> <laughs>